Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm Lead Advisor and Senior Analyst with Kupinger Coal. My guest today is Martin Kupinger. He is Principal Analyst and one of the founders at Kupinger Coal Analysts. Hi, Martin. Hi, Matthias. Pleasure to talk to you. Great to have you. And this time we want to look at a specific topic from a different angle. And I start out with a situation that I encounter uh, quite often when it comes to selecting solutions together with our customers um, as part of the tools choice process. This tools choice process is a well-defined process that starts from requirements, use cases, boiling down to capabilities and services, identifying the right products, and then talking to the vendors. And as part of the uh, um, communication with the vendors, we, of course, ask them technical questions. We ask them organizational questions. We ask them service questions. How are they prepared for pro providing the right support for our customers? And in the end, we ask for a price. We ask for licensing details. We ask for how much does it cost for a defined period of time or for a, an overall license plus support um, and, and, yeah, and, and, all types of support in that. And that is the point where we uh, are in a situation where we often have to, to align very different types of licensing schemes, licensing models, um, subscription to, uh, compared with just buying a piece of software and everything in between. And that makes things difficult. We, we support our uh, customers in that and uh, we, we help them in getting a grip on that. But is this necessary? What should a proper licensing model uh, look like that really has also the customer focus, not only um, the money that an organization gets from providing this software to a customer? What, what are your thoughts about proper licensing models, Martin? Yeah, it's an interesting question because from, from an analyst side, so to speak, we look at it a little bit from the different angle. So you, you, you guide the customers, which usually through their procurement departments, got some quotes and, and then they ask you and say, what shall I do with these different numbers, which, which don't fit to, to each other? Or earlier you, you are asked, so for what should you ask? What, what are the, um, sort of the, uh, the numbers of users and systems and other things to, to, to send to to the the vendors and to ask for a quote, we look at it more from the perspective of discussions with vendors, which come to us and say, "Okay, what would be the the right way to license this? What would be the right license model?" And I always start with with a question that is, um, "What do you believe is the most important element of a good and successful licensing?" model and quite frequently it's that they come up with cost i have a strong belief it's not cost cost is important clearly if you're way way more expensive than the others uh, it will be hard to sell you need to be then super super good in the way you sell and in what in, in your product or service but the, the, the point i make is it is about models that are predictable and that are can be easily understood. This is related by the customer. Because at the end of the day, the customer must uh, define a budget or gather a budget and must predict to the management, uh, to the stakeholders, what 
the price will be over the next couple of years. And if you can't do that, it is problematic. So um, I'd like to bring up two examples here. Um, one is from my, really from my past. When I started using the internet in the very early days of the internet, there were quite a lot of offerings where the cost of internet connectivity was based on the volume of data transferred, which meant if you had a, a website that was very successful, uh, it could end up with you paying quite a lot of money. That was not predictable. And these models very quickly disappeared, becoming replaced by some sort of flat rate models. That is, I think, one very good example of, of why such approaches tend um, to fail. And um, so models that are are hard to predict are problematic. Another example is when you look at solutions for SIEM, secure information and event management. Several vendors had or still have models that um, but whether the price depends on the locked data you manage, the amount of data. And that is, from my perspective, a totally absurd approach because you're penalizing the customers for making more use out of the solution. The more data you have, the more data you can analyze, the better the results potentially will be of that security analytics. And penalizing, sort of prohibiting to, to put in as much data as you can is, from my perspective, I think we can use the term nonsense here. And so licensing models might just not work or just turn out to be wrong. I would fully agree. I, I have an example when, it, when we look at the identity and access management market. And if we look at, especially at the consumer-focused um, areas, um, if you are have a successful um, product, a successful service, and the number of your users rise, um, how do you prevent from being killed by success with with the um, with the prices going up um, in, a, in at a level that does not match the actual success of the website or the service or the product? Yeah, and, and it's interesting. We had this scenarios in, in quite a number of, of engagements. Um, Instant, you see a product which says, okay, workforce user costs whatever, um, X euro per year or per month. And a customer costs maybe at one tenth of that, 10% of that. But why 10%? I never met a vendor who could explain why it's 10 and not 8 or 15 or 3%. And as you said, it also doesn't resonate with the, the requirement for predictability. And so, once you are in these discussions as a vendor with your customer, um, customers quickly get the impression that they are not treated fairly. And that is what is damaging your relationship. So it is important that customers can understand um, what is how it is licensed, that it, they perceive this as something that is um, predictable, that is also fair in the sense of, okay, it's the right thing to do it. It is, must be well measurable. 
for sure. Um, and, and all these things come together. And um, so models that have, for instance, for very volatile things like the number of customers, more, more sort of a flat rate model or so something which says, okay, uh, success won't kill you from a cost perspective, um, tend to be, uh, from my perspective, the better models. It's not always easy to come up with a good, good solution for these models, but, um, it's relatively easy to identify things that definitely don't work and resonate well with the customer. And what we also might touch is then the other aspect, which is um, how elastic must license models be these days in the age of software as a service. Okay, when you, when you say elastic, that that um, of course means uh, or el elasticity. When uh, that means uh, we're really being capable of scaling between very slow starting in, um, um, implementations to uh, very large growing and still being capable of being, uh, as you said, predictable and uh, estimatable. Um, what other uh, dimensions of elasticity do you think of? Yeah, I, I think that you touched two two important points, and what I observe in the market is that these are frequently not, not understood well or not considered the right piece. So the one thing is um, you might implement an identity management solution, maybe in the field of IGA, identity governance and administration. And that might take you, even if it's a SaaS solution, it might take you a while to connect services to onboard your users. So um, it might be that you have at the beginning, whatever, 100 users. And after the first quarter, you might have 1,000. And after the first year, you might be at whatever, 10 or 15,000, and it takes still a little until you're fully done. Most vendors will ask you to pay for the, whatever full 20,000 users from day one. I think no customer would say this is fair. Sure. Um, so that is one element of that. Um, and the other is that the numbers of users might go up and down a little. Or other factors might go down, up and down. So, so why should you, you pay for your office application from, from the cloud, uh, when, when you have more or less users, um, for the ones who are, especially if it is less for the ones which are not using it anymore. And so, so I, I for instance, um, I, I, I've seen scenarios for, um, CRM solutions where, um, you have to, onboard sort of the full set of users and you have to subscribe for three years from the very beginning. So if an organization migrates to a new CRM solution, how likely is it that they will go back after six months, say, oh, we need to take the next one and then another six months, they, they, they move again. That will rarely happen. So if this decision is made, Yes, it might happen that they say at the very beginning, okay, this was a fundamental mistake. We stopped this project. But most likely it is that they will stick to the solution for many years. So the risk for, um, for a vendor is very, very low that the customer will, will go away. So why push the customer into three year contracts for a fixed number, a little, with little elasticity, fixed number of users, which you can grow, but not decrease? This is not fair. And this is, there's no value. There's no, no logical reason for doing so because the vendor probably will, would even benefit more, but rarely less than, uh, but so the customer is 
annoyed. And this is not a good strategy. It's a horribly bad licensing strategy. Or IGA solutions in the cloud where you have to subscribe for 12 or months or more. If you shift to an IGA solution, how likely is it that you will go away from that quickly? So why not go to a monthly elastic fee? It will not cause fundamental harm to revenue. But there are a lot of positive things in that. And it's really that, that vendors frequently ignore these facts. And I believe this is very important. And then it also makes it way simpler to compare. And I think this is one of the challenges you have. How to compare uh, different licensing models if they are not predictable. If they are very well predictable, it's relatively straightforward. If they aren't, it's hard. And actually having a predictable and an estimatable pricing model makes it much more um, possible to, to have a re recommendation towards a product because it, it, once you have the proper product identified from a, from a capability perspective, but you cannot say how much it will cost over time, um, this is difficult to, to, to get to a proper decision that can be presented to senior management, that can be presented to those who actually spend the money on it. But on the brighter side, maybe one concept that has shown up recently, that is quite interesting. This is this MAU concept, the monthly active users, especially in the consumer um, identity and access management, um, where you only pay for those users that are not stored within the systems, but that use that system over time so that dormant customers that only buy a product for Christmas and otherwise not, uh, that they will only be charged for when they are really active. I think that is one of the of the brighter sides that we see currently in that in these markets, right? Yeah, it, it has some level of predictability. Clearly, you need still to predict the peaks, but it, it relates the cost to the success, which makes it fair. And, and so, so that, that is something where I say, okay, this, this definitely makes more sense than, than many of the other models, um, I've, I've seen in the past. And again, maybe back to this, um, example of, of CRM solutions, you know, when, when then the customer says, like it was in our case, for instance, shall we really go with this vendor? So if, if the, there's a huge risk that a customer just says, okay, I go for another vendor due to the licensing model then you've made a mistake. And I think it is really doable to think through licensing models so that they are fair, that they are perceived as being fair and predictable by the customer, and that they still deliver the revenue, the um, ARR, the annually recurring revenue to the vendor, to the provider as expected. and. This is doable and these common pitfalls can be overcome and it would make probably your life in supporting customers in comparing licensing, license models and license costs easier. And, um, yeah, it would also simplify our advice for, uh, work as the analysts in inquiries on this topic. Right. So we will continue our discussion on different, uh, on different frontiers. You will more talk to the vendors when it comes to vendor advisory and supporting them in, in finding these fair and, and proper uh, licensing models. And, and we from advisory, when we talk to uh, the end user organizations, we will try to help the, the, the customers in understanding what an actual, actual pricing model really means to them and what the actual expectable figures yeah. are. 
Thank you very much, Martin, for that conversation. That was really interesting. And it's good to see that we have at least more than one lever to influence that as well. So really looking forward to getting to a better situation here as well. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you for joining me. And uh, looking forward to talking thank to you, you uh, soon again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Matthias. Bye.